Welcome to the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. Today, I have a very special guest sitting in my kitchen. I'm very happy he came here today. Um, my friend Jim from Pennywise. Welcome, Jim, to the podcast. Right on. Um, Thank you. I'm very happy to have you here. Um, Penny, before we get into everything, but Pennywise has been one of those bands from the West Coast who always looked out for the East Coast bands. They remind me of an East Coast hardcore band, their mentality, their lyrics, their songs. And we played a bunch of shows with you guys during our career, and they've always been great. You guys have always looked out for us, so... I'm honored to have you here. Thank you very much. It's great to be here in your beautiful, stylish kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the, you know, my whole podcast is interviewing people that have been part of my life in an inspirational way. So I like to go back to the history. Obviously, I'm sure you talked about this a million times. But for the listeners who might not know Pennywise, um, you were born in Hermosa Beach, correct? Yes. And um, how was that growing up for you there? You know, uh, Hermosa Beach... Uh, and the South Bay makes up the three cities of South LA. So it's a little beach community pocket of LA. We always call it the bubble because uh, all of us who live there never really make it out to LA. Like I'm, I, I'm as lost downtown LA as I am downtown Philadelphia. You know, it's Shit. like we all stay down in that little area down the South Bay. It's our little hiding spot in uh, uh, um, surfing. Uh, and then skateboarding came out of that. A lot of the industry started in Hermosa Beach, the, yeah. fir the first wetsuit shop. Oh, shit. Um, the first commercial skateboard was sold in uh, in Hermosa Beach. Uh, the first head shop was in Hermosa Damn. Beach. <laughs> they, actually, <laughs> they actually sold acid legally for a few months before the government found out. They were, they, were, they were selling it out of this place. But then also, super importantly, the music that came out of the place. Yeah. Um, you had the Lighthouse Cafe, which was the original jazz club uh, back in the uh, 20s, 30s, 40s. Um, but mainly the, the, the 50s when Miles Davis and Chet Baker played there. Chet Baker had a residency there. Holy shit. Miles Davis got in a fight with the bartender there. <laughs> like all this really cool stuff History. happened. Yeah, on, on the pier in Hermosa. And then uh, the Beach Boys were from Hawthorne, uh, which was uh, next town over. Uh, Dennis Wilson hung out on the beach there and was like learning about surfing. And it was Brian Wilson who said, we got to start a band, but I don't know what to write about. And Dennis said, well, surfing's the coolest thing ever. Just write about waves. And, and even though Brian had oh, never shit. been on a surfboard, they just <laughs> wrote, you know, tons of songs that about surfing because Dennis was into it. Wow. So, um, and that, and he went to the beach at Hermosa beach down in this area. You had surfers, skaters, roller skaters, hell's angels. You had hippies. You had famous authors, uh, Charles Bukowski hung out down oh, there. Shit. Thomas Pinchon lived in Manhattan beach. Um, so really famous literary people. It was a real artist colony. Yeah. And then you had also Maricosta high school. Uh, which was a typical uh, American high school, but this was a very working class area. A lot of people in aerospace and the defense industry mm -hmm. raised their families there. It's like suburbia really sprawled out in the area. And then, uh, so you had this real class warfare going on. I know yeah. I'm giving you a long I history. Know, I, love this, I love this shit. <laughs> this, this is a whole book. When you say suburbia, I think about that movie Suburbia. Too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she had all these working class families um, and but you did have a class warfare down there a little bit of the rich kids yeah beverly hills versus the working class kids down here and that 
whole thing going on. So you had this real, the, the high school there was really um, a lot of, you had the surfers, the stoners, Clicks. the cliques, you had the socias, you had the really rich kids. What are who, the uh, the, yeah, so it's like from the movie The Outsiders. That okay. was the, the social kids, oh, you know, shit. with the turned up uh, uh, the Izod shirts, you know, and nice. they had a moped while you're on your bike, you know, <laughs> and that type of thing. So or your skateboard, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so it was just a petri dish for punk rock to explode mm-hmm. because you had the outsiders getting angry that that you know. <laughs> and all this stuff that, they, or that they're mad at the jocks, or you yeah. know, the, the 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 kids that didn't fit in, and Keith Morris was right in that. Sick. Keith Morris, uh, you know, came into that world from being out in the desert and and moving around a lot, and his dad had a, a bait shop, and so worked there, and then a record store, and then that's how he met Greg Ginn. But he had a chip on his shoulder about <laughs> you know being beat up by the 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 bigger kids and the jocks oh, and stuff. And so they created a band called Panic, and then that became Black Flag. And then they, then this is an entire story, but uh, you know, yeah. then Circle Jerks came, then De- Descendants came. And then, so, and all these guys went to Maricosta, one school. Same high school. And uh, you know, it's amazing to think this one square mile town produced so much from, from the Beach Boys to all these great hardcore bands yeah. to being really instrumental in surfing and skating. It's like this creative explosion that went on in the 70s was felt around the world. I mean, there has to be a doc. Yeah, yeah, there has no, to be. No, for sure, because everyone hears about LA and only hear about this. Yeah, it's awesome. I know. So we're, we're trying to put together a great documentary. We're crossing our fingers it happens. But I mean, I just saw something the other day, and I know there was a lot of jokes about this, but I think I saw something for real that Miley Cyrus was wearing a black flag shirt. And when, when black... It's not, it's, not, it's not a meme. It's like not, it's not yeah. Photoshopped. It's real. It's real. It's like when that's happening and there's a picture of Henry Rollins um, on the side of a building in Times Square. Yes. And, and stuff like that, like that little counterculture that started because of a few pissed off kids. Yeah. You know... Um, became something global and it affected me uh, a few years younger than them going to the same school and you would see Keith Morris walking around and I um, I got a job at Altadena Dairy just so I could be close to where they practice you know and, wow and so it's like that's like for a kid it's like living in Liverpool and having the Beatles you know at the chip shop you know yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or, or walking around <laughs> and Led Zeppelin is you know at the at the YMCA near your house or whatever, you know, it's like, it's, you're like, I can do this. These guys are all doing it. And, uh, my little cover band, I had a cover band in high school that played like such a crazy range of music. We would play like the clash. And then that I melt with you song, you know, on K rock (laughs) or just like (laughs) anything that was on Rodney on the rock and, you know, any type of music so I could get girls and stuff. We were in uh, the school newspaper, Us and the Descendants. I still have it. Oh, I, shit. I have to show it to Milo and the guys and, and Bill and them, but we got written up in the school newspaper of, like, Descendants and my band, Joe Nobody. Search- Joe Nobody? Yeah. <laughs> Searches for music success. And uh, Joe Nobody was uh, a name that our friends would say, when you go to a party and no one's there, you say, who was at the party? Ah, Joe Nobody. You know, no one was there. No one was there. It was, it was, it was a crappy party.
Um, here's my question. That bait shop you mentioned that Keith Morris worked at, I think that Milo told me that Bill Stevenson bought his bait from there. Yeah. And they kind of were connected by fishing. Yep. Yep. He, uh, Bill, I remember from high school, a couple years older than us, but I totally remember him showing up in the work suit <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> been fishing all night. Holy and shit. And he was such a, a crazy dude. I heard. Yeah. And in a um, good way. Yeah. In a good way. You know, like, person, like yeah. an awesome, you know, the, the, the whole school was full of freaks. Yeah. And, and one, <laughs> one of the freaks there was this guy a year younger than me. It was Fletcher. I remember like, wow, like I do not want to fuck with that dude. He's really crazy. He's tall. Like, I don't want to hang out with the, I don't want to hang out with that guy at all. And you spent the whole your whole life with him. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. so so how was it how were you in school? Did you like going to school? Were your parents strict? Like what was your home life like um growing up and stuff? You know, uh the thing that uh, for me was my parents were really strict, but my mom uh was a, a church lady, liked going to church, so I was an altar boy. Oh shit. Heavenly brought up in the church. Catholic. Yeah. No, no dark stories to tell you about in yeah. that, <laughs> but yeah. um, I was definitely, I was in uh, CCD, I was in... Uh, catechism? Catechism. I was in shit my yeah. brothers were too. Yeah, so the whole time, Sunday, all, um, all I was in church, it. doing a lot. Hated it, really boring, really lame, but interestingly though, I, I was always really into music and all kinds of bands growing up, um, but then when I got into high school, I was, I, I was long story... I was born with my eyes were messed up. I had strabismus as a kid. I got a bunch of surgeries, so I, I have like lazy eye now. But so it it brought out something to me like when the other kids at school, if I didn't fit in, I would just act out to be weird. Mm. So then they would look past it, you know. So I would just like maybe if I you know eat this thing of garbage or like roll around in the gutter in the rain and shit, they'll be like, ah, oh, that and it worked. Mm. You know, it's like oh, not he's not just weird looking he's yeah. weird he's crazy weird so i had no problem with authority and acting up in class or talking back to the teacher to make the other kids laugh and stuff so that kind of carried on in high school and i kind of got in more and more trouble in various instances and and acting out and shit. yeah and partying going to a lot of parties i was get, getting into bands and stuff and playing in bands and then finally got bounced out of school a couple times and uh and then after that, after I graduated high school, I was just kind of lost, you know, partying too much. And I became a born again Christian. Wow. So a lot of people don't know that, that I do not know that. Yeah. That I was, uh, heavily into the Bible thumping for a while, right after high school and, and did that for, uh, through some of my college and then met, uh, my wife and, um, and started playing in bands more and more. And I, I kind of found the same hypocrisy in the church that I found everywhere else. Okay. And uh, it kind of turned me off on that, but still have some spiritual feelings in there. I, it's yeah. it's a lifelong thing of defining that, what that looks like. But uh, basically the whole high school experience was just a lot of wild times, you know, punk rock <laughs> was going on. So we would, I would go to bed at night. I had a uh, bedroom downstairs from the rest of the house that had a, a window to the outside. Yeah. So me and my friend would uh, sneak out. I'd go say goodnight to my parents at 10 o'clock at night, and we'd leave at 10 o'clock, drive out to Hollywood, Holy shit. go see bands, come home at 5 in the morning, 
and go to school, you know. He's totally fried at school, <laughs> yeah, exhausted. Yeah. yeah, so saw some really good shows, but it was a hectic time, and, and it's, you know, it's life in the fast lane in Hollywood and yeah. living at the beach, so definitely got wrapped up in it and felt like I needed some help getting out of it, and at that time, it really worked. So but you found that you found the religious stuff yourself? wasn't through your family? There was a, there was a place called Hope Chapel at the top of the hill, and that's where a friend of mine, a girl who was actually one of the first punkers uh, at um, Maricosta, um, who's still into it, she's the one that cool. brought me. And she said when she was driving to my house, I'd had a really tough night, and she was trying to pick me up, and she got the spiritual gift of tongues on the way to get me because she knew I was going to convert. Yeah. So she uh, um, brought me to the church, and it really did help me for a long time. And um, that's why... Uh, in a lot of our songs, there's songs like uh, Nothing, and uh, there's a lot of God songs in there, and that's me kind of grappling with oh, it at shit. certain times. So if you kind of look back on that, some of the albums, then it, it kind of informs that. There's a song called Waste of Time, which is basically me backsliding on, <laughs> yeah. to, a, to a 250 BPM. Oh. But, but um, yeah, so that was wow. my, my upbringing. It was like, it was like the devil on one side and the angel on the other trying to yeah uh, fighting for my soul you know and it's i guess it's been the same way ever since did your brother your brothers and sisters <laughs> i had an older sister yeah and uh she married a hardcore surfer really great guy and they have a great family and we're all really close and i think that a lot of that really helped me as well i have yeah. a really close-knit group of friends that we've been friends since second or third grade it's awesome and none of them are into punk at all either. You I like know, that. You know, they, they listen to it. They yeah. have their favorite bands, but they're they're in a different scene, you know? Yeah. And um, I was in, like, uh, different bands in college, kind of like cover bands, but we were yeah. writing songs. And then, uh, and you know, trying to make a go of it. But I was also, I graduated. I went to San Diego State, and then I in, ended up at UCLA and graduated there. What was your major? I was an English major. Oh, wow. So that's another thing that's important that when I was an English major at UCLA, I studied uh, American transcendentalism. So Thoreau, oh, Emerson, and all that stuff, which is to me, Emerson is the punk rock Bible. I mean, his his whole idea is about self-reliance yeah. and uh, individualism and stuff like that. It's, it's just punk rock, but in mm -hmm. col colonial language. So <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, um, and the same thing with Thoreau. So I, I got really turned on by that, those ideas in that book. It just, there's a book, a uh, biography on uh, Emerson called The Mind on Fire. And okay. that's, that's really what it is. It's like, it's having your brain be so alive with these ideas of what's important and, uh, and uh, definitely put a lot of that into my lyrics as well. And, um, but, I basically did the, the, the college route and then had a suit and tie job right out here on Wilshire and La Cienega. Oh, it's close to here, yeah. In, in the Larry Flint building. Yeah, yeah, it's still there. Yeah. I wasn't working at Hustler, but I was working uh, <laughs> booking ads on uh, uh, TV and like Price is Right and the, the game shows and stuff what like that. What year would that be? That was 1990, 89. Wow. And then also that's when i met up with uh fletcher came to see my cover band play at a uh, place down in redondo and you know he's bigger than life and yes. afterwards i was like dude when are we gonna jam he's like hey we're looking for a singer right now and they had just oh. kind of gotten started went over and uh uh tried out and uh jason who lived around the block from me growing up was in the band that's why i wanted to 
jam with them. Yeah. So that first stretch of when we started playing shows and we got popular really, really quick. The first party we played was Mayhem and everyone after that. I was still suit and tie job, you know. Awesome. And showing up to work with a broken nose and, and my boss was like, who is this guy, you know? And <laughs> Two then, different lives. Yeah. And then it got like, you know, like, well, what do I do? Do, my, do I do my suit and tie job and get married and, you know, have the domestic life? But this Pennywise band is doing pretty good. Yeah. But um, scene was around 92. The scene got really violent here. Stabbings, gang fights at all of our shows. And uh, I got, uh, you know, knife pulled on me at a place in uh, uh, Club Lingerie. We played yeah. a show. I think it was a show that we played with Green Day, too. They opened for us. Wow, we got a violent crowd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it was the first <laughs> time we'd seen them. And uh, but uh, they and they opened up for us at Club Lingerie. So, but things had gotten really crazy then. And uh, I think I'm the same time in New York, too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, I just met, like, because of I, all this doctrine that I believed in, which was pacifism and PMA. I mean, PMA is, Love that. is all emerson and throat and uh and so i'm like man this scene isn't what i'm about yeah you know and our my friend got his ass kicked at a show and for no reason you know and i'm like this is just mindless violence and i don't want to be the spokesman for that and then we finally played this show at raji's and um people uh you know really racist and really lame mm. and all kinds of white power people yeah, yeah and and Sieg Highland and stuff like Damn. that. And I was just, wow, this is not who I am and who I want, what I want to be. And so I, um, she was scary. That's scary. Yeah. I called Jace, Jason the next day and said, Hey man, I'm out. And he's all, I understand. And it wasn't until, uh, the surfers and skaters got into it with the Taylor Steele surfing videos that the scene started to change after the L after the LA riots happened. Then the, the whole surf and skate scene get putting our music in their videos and uh, Plan B and all these cool videos. After you guys had broke it, broken up? After I had left the band. Okay. They, they got Dave Quackenbush and went on tour. Polish, for real? <laughs> yeah, foreshadowing. How do we do that? Wow, vandals. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and then Jason moved over to vocals. But then about a year later, I had gotten married and stuff and was working. And then I went to a show that they played down in San Diego, and it was all surfers. And like, I'm all, wow, this scene is really cool again. Yeah. So we, we talked and I got back in the band and then it was like, after that, signed to Epitaph, started playing. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. We had signed to Epitaph and then uh, we, they were ready to do their second album. And it was then that they were working on some songs that I had helped write. And I yeah. was like, hey, if we're going to go in, I'll, I'll come back and we'll try and make another go of this. So after that, it's history. Yeah, that's crazy. So. So in so your first exposure to music was in in school through your peers, right? Keith Morris and them were they were they, were they playing music at the time too? Was was Keith and Circle Jerks in school or no? Yeah, um, like were you guys doing music in high school? Uh, I was doing cover bands. Uh, Fletcher had a band called Con Eight Hundred. Descendants were playing and Already, and yeah. definitely and were signed and had were putting out records in high school. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, when I was in high school, yeah, they yeah, had, yeah, it was Milo goes to college, you know, it's crazy. So they had <laughs> they had put out uh, the the first uh, EP, and so yeah, it was uh, 
it was a crazy eclectic time because I also had an older sister who was into like David Bowie. And That's what I was gonna ask you. Did she did you inspire you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cheap Trick, uh, Sticks. Was all the classics. <laughs> yeah, all that type of stuff. Uh, and then definitely um, Queen. I remember yeah. Queen and I remember Bowie, Queen, and Cheap Trick, and going like, and Bay City Rollers. All these bands were like pre-punk you know yeah. like they had something going that was it wasn't punk rock yet but it was something that was cool that i really really dug a lot instead of i wasn't into metal i hated led zeppelin I, I hated led zeppelin i hated sabbath yeah i hate appreciate it now yeah i appreciate it now i hate it and i was like yeah yeah i'm not into it i had friends who were metlers and i would just be like turn that off i was I, like that's satan's music that's <laughs> a metal shit yeah, like, I yeah. So, in my punk rock world yeah for sure yeah so um, you know, I definitely had an eclectic upbringing in the music scene, but also just listen to Rodney on the rock, listen to the radio. There's so much stuff, but I was never at the, the punk scene in Hermosa was really hardcore. The OC scene and the South Bay scene were well known by, if you talk to a lot of the LA punk bands, germs and X who are X is one of my favorite band of all time. They'll tell you the same as Milo. It's Milo's favorite band too. He told me. Yeah. Uh, they'll say that the South Bay guys and the OC guys ruined punk rock. You know, we all came up there and because a lot Aggress of more aggressive, lot, more aggressive, a lot of surfers who like to fight. It's so of, crazy. When you think about a surf growing up in East Coast. You don't think about surfers, even California being like this street yeah. place. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, surfers really, they're violent. Yeah. It's like, a, I don't know. It was a, no, you're absolutely right. It was really strange, but also look at Tony Alva and, and yeah. that whole scene, Downtown, you know, yeah. I mean, this was it was the mean streets back then. It you was a skater tough. too. I skateboarded, you know. I wasn't. I, I surfed and skated a lot. I mean, it was just our, our lifestyle. California culture. But I've always said that, uh, you know, uh, Tony Hawk and Kelly Slater, their trophies are safe when I'm skating and surfing. <laughs> they don't have to worry about me. You know, I, I was never good enough. And, and you had fun though. Yeah, I had fun. I did it every day. I surfed before mm -hmm. school and after school, and I skateboarded. My knees are covered in scars because. Oh, shit. I had to I had to bomb the steepest hill. If I took you there right now, you'd be you'd be like, you bomb this hill every day of your life. No wonder. Oh, how do you how do you have teeth in your face, you know? <laughs> because it is the steepest hill in Hermosa Beach and I lived on 24th Street and I had to bomb that thing all the time. And uh Damn. but it was it was a great way to grow up, you know. And yeah. I played organized sports, but the surf was actually play sports in school. Yeah, I played a lot of baseball and little league and stuff like that, but um uh, surfing and skating was something different about that. The individualism and being out there by yourself and challenging yourself. Mm -hmm. It really, it really made you have help your self-confidence and stuff like that and challenging yourself. So, uh, it was a big part of our local culture, but it also was informed like this whole fuck authority yeah, <laughs> mindset of, yeah. of like, you kind of had to be an outlaw a little bit to do this stuff, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it was an interesting way to grow up. It was life in the fast lane. I, we have cousins who, who live in Illinois and they live they live in this little farm town. And, and I'm like, we had so much, like, information coming at us. You know, whether it was drugs or yeah. surfing or skateboarding or the jocks at school and all this stuff. It was just, 
it was almost too much activity. Yeah. Where my friend who lives on a farm, you know, they're just like, well, we've got to milk the cows today, and then yeah, we're going to go do life, that. Different life. Yeah, different life. I want that now. Now I want to move the country. Yeah, there is something about leaving the city and going to a small town. Like when I, I was just in the south right now too, and I just traveling to small towns, these beautiful houses that are way cheaper than here. Yeah. Just, I don't know if I can do it. I've been a city slicker my whole life. I like the energy of the people, like walking out and seeing people. Mm-hmm. When I see like places around the woods, I get a little bit of anxiety. But I don't know. I, I think it'd be something peaceful for that. I don't know if I could ever really yeah. do it. You know, Maybe we'll split a house somewhere. That'd be sick. <laughs> Idaho. We'll get a bunch of people to move to some small community. You know yeah. what I mean? Fat Mike has talked about that. He, oh, wow. That's Mattersville. He, he's always Mattersville. Want, he wanted to have a place out in the country where all us retired punkers can go and I like that. Hang out. All of us with no retirement plans. And <laughs> yeah. no, um, so my other question is that you were saying you're partying in school, like what exposed you to the early party and how old did you started doing that? <sighs> I remember, uh, like I said, South Bay, Hermosa beach was a really fast town. Yeah. And, um, and so people were selling bags of weed in sixth, seventh grade. Damn. And, uh, I remember, uh, shotgunning beers getting the beer funnel out that was really huge you know right away like we don't just drink beers we put them in a funnel and drink them fast drink drink a bunch of them and hard drinking hard living and uh did your parents drink anything in the house or anything like that yeah okay yep and uh just social drinkers i I don't come from an alcoholic household but definitely social drinkers and and uh you know it was it was I really don't know what drew me to it. I probably just, I liked being a wild kid and yeah. just was like, this was something that was Add a challenge. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And it let my inhibitions go, but at the same time, it got me into a lot of trouble. Okay. I was, I knew the, the principal's office better than any classroom Fuck. in the place. And that's why it's, it's kind of funny now, the perception obviously of <clears throat> Pennywise is that, it's like these three guys and then this crazy six foot five, 300 pound, you know, manimal dude who's just <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you know, dude who's like, I'm worried about the flogging Molly Cruz that's coming up. I'm oh, like, shit. who's going overboard? You know, he loves chaos and, and he's obviously a, uh, you know, bigger than life character. But, teddy bear too. And so it's like when I came into the thing of being someone who was pretty wild my own right, but then. You're the you most know, normal guy. But yeah. Now everyone's like, dude, Jim is so, so mellow and just so whatever. They don't know the whole backstory. that well, I've been through all that already. Yeah, yeah. I had kind of came to them when I had calmed down, you know. And yeah. I was like ready to take a suit and tie job. But it literally was, Pennywise just took off so fast. It, yeah. It was like we played a backyard party and there was a ferocious fight. And then someone said, oh, will you play our backyard party? And like 200 people showed up and the cops came and just got broken up immediately. And then we got on KXLU uh, because a local friend heard, yeah. heard a demo tape, uh, an EP that we did on Theologian. I mean, uh, they'll get really mad at me when I call it a demo tape. But uh, okay. <laughs> but uh, um, they uh, the DJ said, hey, I know Brett from uh, Bad Religion. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him your tape. And then it was like, then Fletcher came back to my house and said, oh, they want to sign us. And I was just like, this is crazy. We just started playing like six months ago. Like, I know. How, how has this happened? Did you did you want to did you want to do music for a career? Did you did you know what you wanted to do at that point? You working a job? You just yeah. had a cover band and stuff. And- I always wanted to play music. That's why I did it in high school. And yeah. and um, this is an interesting story about uh, what was really influential on me. Is my dad was uh, 
really uh, hardworking guy. He yeah. was a sales rep in, in the air freight in, industry. Uh, so he was whining and dining closets, but he'd always take the time to play catch with me on the side of the house, you know. Awesome. And I was always big Dodgers fan. He'd take me to a ton of games. I was all sports. And then uh, they had to paint my room and took down all the stuff. And um, my dad was going to put up all the Dodgers stuff, all the pennants and things. Yeah. My mom said, hey, let him put up whatever he wants. And I put up Bowie pictures and, and, awesome. and you know, I put all band stuff up. And then my dad, he even wrote something about like that day, like when I went from sports to music. Oh, shit. And... Um, and so he was so supportive of it that he, um, I answered an ad in the local newspaper. There's a band that needed a singer. I'd never sung before. I'd, I'd bought myself electric guitar and was writing and stuff. Oh shit. Taught yourself how to play too? Yeah. That's and cool. so, um, uh, I was writing my own songs and, and, uh, he went out and bought me a guitar, a really good guitar. He gave it to me on Christmas morning. I have a picture of it. Yeah. And then he bought me a, uh, a PA and a mic to sing through so I could go do this audition. So supportive, man. That's amazing. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> and then I uh, um, tried out for that band. They were playing Clampdown by The Clash Sick. and Zero Hour by The Plimsolls and like all these cool songs. And so we started playing. I think we were called the Young Catholics for a while because nice. we, <laughs> we were all altar boys. And uh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. So um, we started playing and that was super important because then later on, he also, he didn't graduate uh, college. So he always impressed me. He wanted me to get my education because he was having real problems at work because he kept getting passed over for um, employment and the big manager jobs. And gotcha. he, he actually had big problems with that and he would come home and every night, you gotta get your education, son. You gotta get your education. So I, I did. It's awesome. Even though I had you know, issues, uh, issues. Cool. <laughs> uh, I ended up going to state and then made it to uh, UCLA and graduated and he was never more proud, but he also got me jobs in air freight at, at DHL and Emory air freight. And then I got the job out here in uh, LA and then it was amazing. Cause then the day that I said, dad, I think I'm going to quit my job and go on tour. And he was like, go for it. Like, and Fucking I couldn't awesome, believe man. it. And I, I made that speech. My dad passed away last year, and I made that oh, speech a, a lot recently because the, the song "Same Old Story" yeah. was addressed to my dad of saying like, uh, of of someone who has a, a dad that is repressive, saying, you know, I'm living life my life for me. It, it's like that feeling, but in reality, my dad was really supportive and awesome. Man. You know, he when he passed away, he had a white Lincoln with the Pennywise. Uh, bucket hat in the back. So he came to see you guys play, obviously. Yeah, yep. And uh, wow, man. huge supporter of the of the whole thing, and and having that for me was was huge. And yeah, and it informed my lyrics. I think there's a lot of people that hear same old story because over the years that song for us has really gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think there's a lot of people out there that connecting to it. Yeah, struggle with parent issues, whether it's your mom or your dad having expectations for you, and then. I've tried to turn that into my own daughters of like, let them find their passion, you know? Wanna be supportive of it, yeah. Yeah, so. 100%, because it, your dad was like that with you. Yeah, it's full circle. No pun, yeah, no, no pun intended, full yeah. circle. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then Pennywise takes off, and you're just doing that full time. Yeah, And yeah. so like, all of a sudden, that's like your career, in a sense, I guess, right? 
Yep, and it became you know touring and putting out albums, and then you have jobs when you came home. Uh, was it hard to? Nope, pretty much after that first tour that we went to Europe, um, and because the Unknown Road album came out and started doing better and yeah and things like that, that was important. Your records here. Yeah, and so uh, and Bad Religion started doing better, and yes. no, there's this band called No Effects that was on the label <laughs> that was. That had that label at that time, Epitaph, it was yeah. magical, man. Yeah, and I'd go into, uh, I went to the place on, I think it was Santa Monica Boulevard. Did you know we'd, we'd come up there to talk to Brett and that was the original spot. Yeah, and this guy Brian was was helping work in there, and he was in a band called The Offspring. And so Jesus, I, I heard, the, you know, so we're like, oh, cool, like, and and oh, wow, their album's really good, you know, and and. Uh, and we all started going on tour together and stuff like that. And we recorded our album in Brett's little tiny, tiny little thing. It's I believe it's still there, but it's right behind the Hollywood Palladium. The okay. first, the first West Beach. Yeah, West Beach. And I, I, I know I'm skipping around, but like okay. all, all these, these, these bands who started developing bigger and bigger followings, and and various things happened. Like the, we had a mini riot at one of the shows, and and uh, you know, and then. Later, obviously, we started going on tour with with we, we took Offspring out on this tour, and uh, and it was really fun, really great, and uh, this uh, they were in a, a school bus, converted school bus, but it didn't have heat and it didn't have AC or Damn. nothing. Total yellow Another school state bus. Of mind style. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's probably where they got it from, but they uh, they were. Um, we were back east and it was freezing, snowing out, and it was so cold that it could snow inside the bus. You know, it was. Oh yeah. And uh, for some reason, they said, "Hey Jim, you want to uh, jump in the bus for the ride up somewhere?" And I said, "Sure, I'll ride with you guys." And uh, we want to play you uh, our new album, and it was Smash. Damn. On the Walkman, you know, got the cassette, <laughs> and I and I'm laying, you know, everyone goes to sleep, and I'm listening the whole album, like listen to it like two times through, and I'm like fuck, this is going to be huge. And I came back to, to uh, our camp the next day and I was like, dude, the, the new Offspring album is going to be like giant. And Fletcher's like, tell me when they sell like 100,000 albums. Like, dude, like bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we're better than them. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but it was like, he called it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, no, this I, this album's going to be ginormous. It's one. Of, I think it's one of the top biggest selling independent records ever, yeah. I think. And at that time, like bands like Jane's Addiction yeah. and more alternative and Chili Peppers, and it was ready for it, you know? Was it, Green Day out there, Dookie, at that point or no? I can't even remember. It's around that time. There was this area just like... But you could tell with Green Day's first EP, like they had the chops too. Like they were writing Beatles <laughs> with Distortion, you know? Yeah. They were writing faster Beatles songs. Yeah. And uh, um, so that that time was just such a a crazy time for epitaph and, yeah. the, and the music world because it just it just your punk broke they call yeah, it yeah it happened so fast and you're just kind of caught up in the wake of it you know yeah and i feel i feel like when people talk about that time oh punk sold out and all this kind of shit i always say that it's because of those bands that it helped everybody else's careers it helped it trickled down to everybody the right. little bands who were just starting little bands who were pop punk or punk 
like all those records blowing up in Epitaph, because then we got signed to that label after that. Like we were like the first yeah. East Coast band, the Agnostic Front, Bouncing Souls, all these bands. But it's because of that success that helped all of us. Right, right. And yeah. it's like I, I, I want everybody that loves playing music to be successful. And I, it's great when they can make a, make a living off it. I never understood the sellout thing and all that because bands play music because they love it. And if you want your favorite, you, it's crazy how people don't want their favorite bands to be successful. They want them for themselves. Oh yeah. And the minute more than 10 people come see you in a basement in New Jersey, they're not cool anymore. You right. You know what I mean? Then you get success and people are like, oh, fuck it, sell out. Yeah. And I loved how fucking Brett had those Epitaph shirts that sell out on the front, yeah. that Epitaph on the back. It's <laughs> yeah. like he embraced it. But like, it yeah. was such a magical time, man. It was a magical time. And also, um, it actually injected a lot of energy into the punk scene in, in, in the opposite of, of selling it out. That the scene besides a few bands had really come on lean times. You know, a lot of the bands <laughs> had, had went metal. It's true. They crossed over. They tried. Yeah. To, a lot right. of bands had done that. And I remember around that time, 88, 89, it was the suffer album came out and, um, uh, Danzig's album. Yep. Uh, came out and then, uh, a couple other things, but, I think all was doing some cool stuff and uh, it was like Brett, Brett just had such a good ear. Yeah. yeah. And Brett's ear was all keep talking. You're yeah. Good. All right. The dog's attacking. That's a good guard dog. What? That's a good guard dog. <laughs> good. Good, 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 right, good. So we go back to that. We're talking about Brett Gertz. Yeah. Brett. Sorry, that was still, that's my UPS man. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, about Brett Gertz. But um, Brett had such a good ear. That's how he found yeah. you. That's how he found you guys. That's how he found oh, somebody. Because yeah. he had a great ear for melody. I know for a fact that Brett is a, a huge um, Elvis Costello fan. He's a huge fan of melody and lyrics, whether it's Beach Boys, ELO, Elvis Costello, like all these great bands who have such a sense for melodic hooks. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't want to bum anyone out, but I've just never been a fan of the atonal bands that play just kind of straight, whether it's screamo, where there's just no melody. If you got it for me, you got to be able to hum the, hum the hook. I love that. Or, or, or yell the hook, you know? Yeah. It's got to have something in there some melody and and brett was absolutely genius at seeing that in bands you know yeah. and, and bringing the, that out of them too right right yeah and so um and, and also really great in the studio helping them refine what they're trying to do and so it wasn't surprising that it happened at this place i think brett doesn't like to take a lot of the credit for it but it, he was the master behind that you know mm -hmm. he was the one that came in and found each of these bands, got them to record uh, with the best people possible for the price tag. Yeah. And so um, he just, you know, he revolutionized the music scene. And, and so, and the people that say sold out, it's kind of like, hey man, maybe you're just mad that you weren't there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know? Most of those people would never even been in the band before and you know, stayed in people's floors and struggled, struggled and sacrificed and missed people's weddings and funerals. They never, they, 
They didn't yeah. experience any of that hard work to get where they had to go. And you know, the Ramones wanted it better than anyone. 100%. Yeah. You know, when Blondie got it and they they tried. They like tried hell. so hard. Yeah. We want the airwaves. We want the airwaves. <laughs> and they never toured in a bus, which is crazy. They only toured in a van. Yeah. No, I know. It's, That's, it's fucking gnarly, man, yeah. the way that, that you, you know? Uh, it's And you know, in, uh, another documentary, uh, look at a band like Jawbreaker, one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, that band just went through the sellout ringer, you know, mm. with the whole Gilman scene and oh yeah, and the people turning their backs on them and stuff. But it's like at the end of the day, it's about the music. They wrote such great music, you know. Uh, they want to bring it to more people. Yeah, you know. And hey, man, you you know what selling out looks like. Selling out is when you see me on a toothpaste commercial <laughs> and singing "Bro Him." You know. Yeah. That's that's selling out. Did you, you know? guys stay in the same label your whole career? Yeah. We um at, later on we did uh, the the last album one of the last albums we did uh, reason to believe we did it with uh, MySpace at the time because oh shit that's right yeah they wanted to they wanted to give an album away for free remember right that's at that right. time 2008 everyone thought like music's gonna be free now you know it's just everyone's just gonna give their albums away so yeah. they wanted to do this experiment with giving the record away for free which we did that but um. So for that, just that one record, we were we went off with epitaph, and and Brett said, "Go, you know, this sounds cool." You know, yeah. he was probably tripping at that time too, going like, "What's going to happen to the industry?" Yeah, because it was such a, a crazy time with with uh, uh, digital did you, and download, and all yeah, that and stuff, streaming, right? and yeah, you know. I remember we went to major label for one album. We weren't allowed to play Gilman Street, and then once we went back to Independent, we were allowed to play there. Again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, welcome back, guys. Yeah, and we, yeah. And we did that too. We were inspired by like Seven Seconds going on the major and. Getting more melodic, we were inspired by so many bands that took that chance and just tried to make a different, you know, try try to do something different. And Brett was cool about it, and um, he found Gordon Blink on the label at the time. And then, luckily, the the major labels merged and the whole label crumbled, so we get off for free, get to walk away. Yeah. We're very lucky how the experience went, but yeah. we took a chance for sure yeah. and caught a lot of shit. But we were still the same people in the right. band, just trying, you know. Did your songs change? You know, no, we just we yeah. uh, uh, the songs were the same. We still playing, but. The record was a little too overproduced for my taste, mm -hmm. but you know, I kind of like let oh. my brother take the reins on that record, and that's a whole other story we already talked about in the podcast. But just that moment and this trying something different was, you know, why not? You know, but the like, the heart was still there, exactly. Yeah, and that's what I think is really important is, uh, you know, is that the heart and soul of the band is still there, and what's important is there, and you know, I I know what epitaph was doing back in the day is like we wanted to put out kick-ass records you know that's what all we wanted to do what yeah. all the rest of the other stuff is chatter and static that doesn't matter and it's yeah. it's like you guys analyze it after it's out you know because i don't want I, I i just this song that i wrote in my garage on my guitar staring at the wall what do, what do i what do i feel strongly about you know what what, what do i want to put in this song how am i going to make the chords go that i wasn't thinking about man, I wonder if I'm going to get a pool one day, you know, or like, you know, or yeah. uh, I wonder how my MTV video, it's like, no, man, the heart was there. I was, especially on an album like Straight Ahead, which we're working on right now, I, we started playing songs on it because we're going to do a Straight Ahead tour. Um, I was looking at it going like, man, like that song, I was so like embroiled in so much emotion and so many different ideas yeah. of like. That's a great record. We toured with you guys. That was 20 yeah. years ago. Like, yeah. Yeah, 20, shit, exactly dude. 20 years, yeah. 
Yeah. Fuck, man, that's crazy. So it also, I want to get to your book too. You put a book out in 2007, right? Right. Um, the Punk Rock Dad, No Rules, Just Real Life. Uh, when did you? So that's when. When did you become a dad? Like what year? And you have three daughters, right? Yeah. That, Holy shit. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Jesus, that just made me tired. <laughs> but um, you know, this is the trippy part. Of, uh, I mean, uh, uh, that's the wrong term. This was the 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 crazy part of what happened during that time. Obviously, um, right when my wife is, uh, we're starting a family. Is when Jason passes away okay. and was such uh, a tragic terrible thing for me and uh and all of us and our, yeah. com our community because jason was the he was the 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 cat catalyst yeah he was the glue he was yeah, yeah. but he was a nice guy everyone loved jason yeah he had no enemies he was such a sweet guy and that's why his musics were his lyrics were all pma they're yeah. always positive and because uh, that's who he was and for what happened to him happened it was such a gut punch you know a lot a lot of people don't know all the ins and outs of what happened but you know we, i always expected him to be back in the band he was going through some tough times yeah but i expected him to come back as soon as he dealt with stuff because he i know he wanted to He's deal like with you him. you leave me came yeah. back and stuff yeah yeah so uh right at that time uh right when that happened i had we had our first daughter Okay. And so it's like I didn't have time to to grieve yeah. because I had to be a dad, man. And this is the, the heaviest thing, you know, of like you know, bringing a child into this world. And, and losing and, like a close friend too yeah. at the same time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and the main guy in our band. Yeah. And, and right at a time when our our band was uh, picking up steam and, and yeah. stuff. And, and I didn't know if I wanted to continue. I was like, man, I'm just going to go back because like this is the guy – the reason I joined the band. Yeah, which album was that out? What was that what was the album that the uh, full full circle? Yeah. So the one before straight ahead. But yeah, so it was such a hectic time. Fast forward to two thousand seven. Now I have three daughters and a house and a mortgage and real all life the, shit. Uh, real life shit. <laughs> and uh um uh someone said you know, your life is like a looks like a book or a sitcom, you know. Someone should write about this being in a touring punk band and yeah. raising three daughters. And uh it was so easy. I anyone out there I suggest to to write a book, everyone's like, Oh, that must have been so hard. And it's like, man, you just talk just like being on a podcast. Yeah, I'm you trying know? to write one now, I actually Yeah. Know. You just and you just start and you start going, you know? And uh uh it was basically I wrote it not to be and First of all, the the title is a is a pun for me in the sense of I wasn't punk rock. I love punk rock bands, but I wasn't Sid Vicious. I wasn't Darby Crash. I'm not in the gutter with a needle in my arm. I I don't uh, throw bricks through cops' windows and shit like that. You know, I was very much the altar boy who liked to party and have a good time and yeah. wanted to be in a band. You know, so so don't put the punk rock tab on me. Of, of far, I love punk music. But I'm not going to be someone who says I'm punk rock and, and this type of thing. I, I, I can't define punk rock is different for every other 100%. person. So for me, uh, so then the idea of being a punk rock dad who defines authority for your kids and your family and, and stuff like that, it just it didn't make sense. It's silly. Like, how can you be a punk rock dad? Well, yourself and all these other dads now have figured that out yeah totally. you know it, it's actually pretty rad it's actually yeah. pretty cool you can be a very attentive 
present understanding cool dad when you're a punk rock dad so 100%. that's what i was trying to get out in the book is that man i'm a screw up i'm having kids i don't want to fuck them up i just want to try and do the best i can not be too overbearing crazy things are going to happen you're going to have to deal with you're balancing tour life with real life exactly and all that type of thing and you know that's basically what happened the second time i had to leave the band is because that pressure got to be where i felt like we had toured so much on that reason to believe record yep. we had toured a lot and i was right i'm like man i gotta get home and hang with my kids for an extended period of time like it i need a hiatus because we were starting to have some issues with the kids missing me and mm -hmm. not just miss me but it was affecting things you know and uh, I know, you know how it is to have one kid in trial. We have three kids. I can't even imagine yeah, three kids to in, balance that into middle school age and things yeah. are happening. And then um, another thing you got to remember: a lot of these other bands on the label, uh, uh, a lot of them came from divorce, a lot of broken families in the punk rock world, like, and that's true. And that sucks. And I didn't broken homes and shit. We all came together, misfits and different lives. And yeah. Crazy fucked up home lives for sure yeah and so i didn't want that to happen to my family and i was like i need a break right now and they didn't want to you know and so i you know the only one with kids in the band at that time uh randy okay had, that's right had that's a right. couple of kids but um it was just uh, right at that time we were having some issues uh, all you know all kinds of stuff going yeah. on. A lot of people think like, oh, Jim left the band to be with his kids, and that's the easy answer, but it was a point where I, I just wanted to take a break. Yeah. You know, we needed a break from each other. family being in the band. Yeah, yeah, and we needed a break from each other. Like, I really needed a break because our recording process is so contentious that we fight a lot over okay. how the song should sound. Yeah. I definitely have a different opinion from Fletcher on how we should sound and um, how uh, a band should be produced and, and whatnot. So we had just been fighting cats and dogs yeah. like that. And I would come out of that recording and record releasing process of butting heads so much over everything from the artwork to the this to that. We'd always be fighting it. And then it'd be like, okay, the album's out. Now we're gonna go tour it for two years. And then you're like, that was even fun to make it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't go celebrate yeah, it. As, as much as I would be like, fuck, I love that song that I wrote. Yeah. It, it was such a painful birthing process to get it out. Yeah. Now we got to go, now that we just had all those fights to get it out and release it, now we got to go tour around on a bus together and have the issues of touring. So after 20 years of that and everything that happened, I was like, man, I need a break. I need a break. Were you worried For about what you're going to do at that point? You know, I couldn't have done it at a worst possible time. This is 2008. There was a there was a yeah. global recession descending upon us. So that tells you how much I needed a break. Of course. You know, uh, and I told the guys at a certain point, like, look, you know, I'll probably, um, I'll probably uh, do my own record because I've always wanted to do that, and um, and then I'll probably go to work with Havoc, which is this. Uh, a VOD channel I was working with and it's like you don't have to worry about me man like yeah <laughs> you know I'm if, if this is your guys decision that you want to go on and you know get something else and not let me take a break you know it's like all right you know it must be hard though too man I can't even yeah so 
uh, Fletcher and I see that break a different way, you know, of, of how that was, but that's how it felt for me. I just needed a break, you know? Yeah. And, um, you're a fucking human dude. Yeah. Yeah. So not a machine. Um, it ended up being a good thing. I think in the sense of, I got to be able to go out and put out a record that I'm really proud of. And, and I, and, um, did a little bit of touring with, with, with the guys and kind of got back in the van and, felt what it was like to do that so yeah I, I got to play guitar and set up my own gear and it's awesome and, and uh hump my own gear and stuff like that and <laughs> it, it, it uh it was a really good experience that one tour that we did of europe that someone was really angry about because i we we got talked into doing a longer tour of europe than i'd ever done with pennywise oh shit because so they weren't happy about that because they thought you know their opinion was that i left because i didn't want to tour but and then Oh, he puts out a record and then goes on a long tour. So he got a little bitter about that. But um, the thing was, is that tour actually really reminded me what it was all about. And it, and it's 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 not about all those politics of of putting out the record and all this other yeah. stuff. It's about writing music and enjoying playing it and yeah. doing it with guys who you're having fun playing with and. And the, the last tour, we didn't have fun. You know, yeah. there, there was just, we had hectic fights the last Warp Tour that we did. I think Fletcher broke down the door in the back lounge of the thing, oh, you know, shit. fighting with Byron over something. And, you know, we were we were not getting along. We were pretending we were getting along, but we yeah. weren't getting along, you know. And yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it does suck. And It's good to stay away because some bands continue that to this day that are only doing it for business and money. Don't even, They have separate dress rooms. Don't even talk to each other play their songs and go home and never see each other. Yeah. You know, so that's good that you like, you could be honest and tell them this is how you're feeling and step away from it and yeah. not fake it. You know what I mean? Do you want to, and you know, do you want to know something interesting? I'll out, I'm going to out myself. We actually went and saw a therapist as a band once things, this like, yeah, of like being able to like, because email sucks, man. I'll yeah. tell you one thing. Emails and texts. They can come off really, really like wrong. Aggressive or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah. Because, Someone texts you something aggressive, you text something aggressive back, you oh, know, man. and I'm the same way. I give as good as I can get. Yeah. And uh, so many lame things, and so many thoughts go through your mind when you're writing that email. And then there's that one thing, and then this thing, and that, that, that when, you're, when you're just trying to solve one small question, like, hey, do you want to go to Chile on yeah. this next tour or not? Like, why are, you, why are we arguing about- like The floodgates open, right? uh, what are you really feeling? Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Can so send it? It's like a big yeah. Emo, yeah. I've actually talked to Art Alexakis about this before. We both talked about being a counselor for a band or being a therapist for bands because they really do need it. 100%. And once we got in that room, even though there's still conflict, at least we are four guys like, all right, I'm gonna say my piece now. We're gonna, at least I'm gonna get it out. You know, and, yeah. and and you create you crazily under find all these misunderstandings. Like, man, I didn't know you felt that way at that time. You know, and I didn't know you saw it that way. You know, of like people going, keep things inside. I don't say anything yeah, about it. Yeah, and then you, I so I think a lot of bands could could uh, benefit. Yeah, from having that communication because people, guys like us, we bottle it up. You know, guys, girls doesn't matter. Unless you have that communication where you can talk about things, you know, it'll just be the next explosion. So know? how was the therapist? Was that a good experience? It was a good experience. We did it a couple of times. Um, I, I, a lot of now, now, whenever we uh, have a conflict, like we better get another session in, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I think it helped though, for sure. 
Yeah, bring I some think it's a light. Yeah, bring some things light and have some understanding about various things. And, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a push and pull, you know, obviously uh, Fletcher wants to be on the road 364, you know, come home and get fresh underwear and go back out. Yeah, I can't do that, you know. Yeah. And uh, but you have kids, too. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but, you know, the other guys probably want to do more than I want to do. I just have, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I know you guys tour a lot. Every a lot but of not bands. As much, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, two uh, weeks is good. Two weeks is good. <laughs> <laughs> we did 24 in a row last summer. I thought we were going to kill ourselves. Like, yeah, yeah. We, we were so it was so easy in the bus. We did 24 shows. But after that, we were fucking wrecked. And we're like, we're never doing that again. Yeah. We're not, we're not young anymore, you know? Right, right. You know, we did. Uh, uh, I heard you guys did that, and I was like, "Dang, dude, more power to you." How do you guys survive that? But um, it's—I've talked to other guys too. That talked to guys in Rise Against and uh, various people, and a lot of people have a two-week rule. Some people have a 17-day rule, but then you see other bands. You know, they go out for five weeks, and Crazy, you know, man. Fletcher's like, "Shit, man, Bad Religion just did a month and a half in Europe." You know, and I'm but like, "Well, no they're all divorced." <laughs> There's no way they're doing all those shows in a row either, man. There's like many days off and shit like that. You yeah, know? exactly. You know, it's was was writing that book and putting that book book out very therapeutic. Yeah, in a sense. You know, it it prepped me. You know, the girls were still very uh, pretty young at that that time. You can see tell, tell by the cover it was around yeah. middle school age. Um, but uh, I really loved to write. I want to write a lot more. I got a lot of books in my head awesome. and a lot of. Uh, um, uh, ideas that I want to put out there. I'd like to do a self-help book for punkers, <laughs> for people like Great. us. I'd like to do a, uh, I'd like to do a bunch of short stories that I've written about the scene and just that are like half truths about uh, <laughs> growing up in the in the L.A. punk scene yeah. and stuff like that. And and uh, not only that, but just like stories off the top of my head. So yeah. I, I want to do more more of that type of thing, but. Um, it was very therapeutic and, and plus it, it, you have to have a discipline um, to get on the, whether it's typewriter or the pad and paper or the computer every day and sit there and write. And I did it in the back of tour buses. I did it. I did it in hotel rooms. I did it in my being in the mix of everything. too. yeah. yeah. Yep. And just, you just got to put in the work and that's, there's a really good book out there. I recommend to a lot of people that struggle with writer's block or, or things like that. There's a book called uh, The War of Art, okay. Stephen Pressfield, um, that is about the resistance okay. and all the things that are going to put up resistance towards you doing that art every day. Okay. Whether it's going to be uh, some, I got to send some emails or I got to respond to this and what is urgent and what is important, you know, and define these things. So he really sets out some really great guidelines. That's and then, awesome. And then the other thing is you have to turn pro. That's the second thing. Turn pro? You got to turn pro. Okay. You're not from being someone who's like, yeah, I'm just kind of doing this. Like, no, I'm a professional podcaster. I'm a professional songwriter. I'm a professional author. Yeah. You know, and that's how you put in the work is, is like getting all those things that uh, put up resistance to you achieving those goals. So I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's something that's really important right now that I'm trying to keep my focus on writing. I've got yeah. a little website called punkguru.com that I want to do more of. That's about the, the, the book world and okay. punk rock books and things like that. So being an English major at UCLA, I got really into reading. Awesome, man. Yeah. 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 I know that about you. That's amazing. Yeah. Super into books. So, so now, okay, that book's out and now you're not in the band no more. Yeah. Right. So 
Where do you go to work at that point again? Uh, what did you do? I put out the Black Pacific record on okay. on Side One Dummy with did the tour with, with Joe Sib. Yeah, did some touring, and then uh, there's a uh, we had a company called Havoc Television, right. who did surf, skate, snowboard uh, clips for video on demand. So okay. it's just like watching a music video, except it's, you're watching three minutes out of the latest skate video cool. or the latest surf video and uh and then also music videos so we'd have we had all the epitaph bands all the punk, all the punk bands you know and and uh you know during that heyday it was really really cool we were on all the best uh you know all the best cable channels and, yeah. and things like that so that was really cool and you know went back to the old office job but you know working, was that weird transition uh not at all because you know i was working with bands and yeah and, and um still I, in the mix also, I developed this thing called Havoc Cares, where I went around and um, worked with all the endemic nonprofits that are involved in surf and skate. So, boarding for breast cancer. Oh, that's awesome! Life rolls on with Jesse Billauer. Um, oh God, we went through all of them. You know, all, awesome. all the best ones, the surf, skate, and music-related charities, um, and went there and tried to shine a light on what all these good people were doing. And cool. that's been something. I was on the board at Surfrider. For a long time so that's always been something that giving back thing is is like it's really important to me to to have that in the, yeah in our music and we do a lot of benefits and stuff like that so but so that was like going in and in your flannel shirt and hanging out yeah. with other skaters and stuff cool. so it was it, like that corporate shit like yeah yeah, yeah and taking a two-hour lunch and <laughs> <laughs> so how long was that gap when you went in the band how many years did that one for Oh, that was like 2009 to 12, so I'd say about three years. Were you talking to the band at all during that time? Oh, hell no. Wow. <laughs> and was uh, it, was it, do you have any opinions or thoughts on what was weird? Like the band was touring without you? Did you just totally block it out? Who gives a fuck? I totally, keep moving my life. I totally blocked it out. Yeah. Didn't listen, didn't pay attention, you know, and, uh, me personally, I couldn't imagine like, Oh yeah, try and try and imagine it. Yeah, and, and like I know how tight in with my band we hang out. I'm sure it's the same, but we hang out a lot. I talk to my my base, my band every day. We're like best friends, and that's really more important to me than the music or the money. Mm -hmm. Is that we're still friends, and I knew Rusty since I was 13, and yeah. that I couldn't imagine them going on and be putting somebody else in there to to replace me. Right, I can't even imagine that. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. So to think, so you obviously you have a family, you have a life, you're mm -hmm. just fucking moving forward. Yeah, and so a couple years pass. Yeah. And then you put the other effort out. Yeah. During that time. Yeah. Which I fucking loved, but I think there should be a part two where it's all <laughs> East Coast bands. I think there's one East Coast during that thing was Al, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. I fucking love that doc. I love so much about it. Yeah. But I think it should be a part two. You should. We it, should. That'd Let's, be really cool. You and I will do it. You know, uh, the, the girls who did it were um, uh, friends of mine. Uh, I've known uh, Kristen one of the producers since I was a teenager too. We'd, yeah. we'd go on American Bandstand together and I saw X play on American Bandstand. Holy shit. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, uh, so did the book inspire the doc? Yeah, the doc. And then that was just as easy as getting some of my friends, hey, yeah. you want to do this thing? But it was all kind of out here. We yeah. did have, uh, um, a, a, we were on the Warp Tour and we did a couple guys. I forgot what it was. Was it Rise? Yeah. 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 And, uh, we got uh, Tim from Rise, um, and we had a few people that they ended up not getting everyone in the whole thing. But I totally agree. I think, I think that documentary, there was parts of it that just ripped your heart out. You know, uh, yeah, man. 
Um, I love bars at the playground too. It's one of my oh yeah, and, and it was funny. You funny. La- you laugh. Because you some cry. of the heavy shit, like seeing like the balance of balancing family life and going on tour, because we have this luxury of being able to go on tour and do what we love with our friends, and then we come home. We have to be like parents, and we have to balance all that. And like you said, not miss. Like I'm, I'm about to not play a show coming up on this tour because I'm not going to miss my son's birthday. I never miss his birthday, mm-hmm. and I had to cancel one show because I'm not going to miss it. That's that's my number one. You know what I'm saying? So like yeah. balancing that. Yeah. The music and then the real life of like being a good husband, being a good father, being there, fucking driving them to school. And then like, you can yeah. come home from tour. Like I come home from tour last night from Europe and I'm fucking totally jet like by Monday morning. I'm driving my kid back to back to reality. <laughs> All that just balancing that. And yeah. Seeing that. You know, every uh, every family movie ends with the dad who is not going to make it to the piano recital. You know, it's always that thing. Yeah. And the kids on the piano or the ballet. And he works locally. He's looking at the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, but he's being a jerker. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Something, something's going on. And so I had that a lot, man. I, I'll never forget. Damn, dude. My, I was in Europe, and my daughter got uh, soccer player of the year for the whole league or something like that, like the biggest award. And, you know, didn't know she was going to get it, but she got chosen at this huge soccer benefit. And I was like, call her on the phone. Dad, guess what? I won. I won player of the year. And like tear rolling down the cheek. I'm so happy for you. And I'm so bummed that I'm not there. And so there was moments like that. And that's why I had to keep the balance. And, and so important, man. And at that time when, uh, I, uh, we were having these issues with the, with the kids having some trouble yeah. adjusting and, and certain things in the middle school time. And I was like, Hey man, my family needs me right now. I don't care if you guys want to go to fucking Brazil for the 40th time. <laughs> I, I'm going home and hanging out with my, uh, with my kids. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I also knew that we you never need, get those moments back, man. We had just came off a tour that was, uh, a Jägermeister tour. Okay. And I didn't want to do that tour. And the rest of the guys wanted to, got voted out, and they we went and did it, and it was, the partying was full tilt. And I was like, you know, we need a break, everybody. Yeah. You know, we need a time. And it was like, you know, at that time, it was like, oh, we don't want to take a break. We want to go to Brazil right now and do, more, do some more. And... Uh, it was like, they're like, we'll hire you a nanny if that's what you need. And it's like, no man, that's not what I need. And so, uh, it was tough. I remember that the day on the beach very well, where I got a long email from the guys and it was like, you know, everyone says you're the problem and all this type of stuff. And it, man, it just broke me. I just went, I I can't imagine. Yeah. I just went, you know, if, if we just toured more, we'd be bigger and you know, all the stuff. And I was like, Oh, okay. I gotta go. <laughs> I think I think Pennywise's career and their longevity is just fine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's just fine. I mean, I but, get, I get it. I know people they want to keep grinding, keep. I get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they also have to respect each other's lives too. Yeah, everybody has exactly. a life outside of the band. And I think that the good thing about coming back is like that. Um, I'll, I'll never forget Fletcher called me like right at the perfect time, right when I was deciding of like, all right, what am I going to do next? Cause, uh, Havoc was, you know, having some issues and stuff like that. I'm like, well, what's, what's going to happen right now? Were you missing playing with them? You know what? They had just put out the record, uh, uh, on epitaph and, um, was 
I was definitely bummed out about a couple. Did things. you listen to it? I listened to a little bit of it. Okay. And um, uh, the thing that bummed me out really bad was that they put a big Pennywise on the cover of Fluorescent Green and made it look like the Full Circle album. And that was mm. like, I was like, okay. Like, it, it just kind of hurt. Like, yeah, that full, full Circle album is a very, very important album. It's a great record. And uh, that, that kind of was like a stab in the heart. And I was like, you know, this. And another thing that's important to know is like, it, the South Bay was a big, everyone supported Pennywise there, but there was a big, um, uh, fracture when I left the band of people like either you're with Jim or you're oh, with, wow. with, with, uh, Fletcher and everybody. Wow. And you're not allowed to go to Jim's shows and this type of thing, you know, and, uh, there's kind of back and forth like that. And I, right before Fletcher called me, I was in the kitchen with my wife and like, kind of, uh, what are we going to do next? And I thought, man, how rad would that be if I just got back in the band and we just healed all this shit, like all this hurt and lame shit. And, yeah. and because I don't hate any of the guys or, yeah. or like we've been through so much together. And that time, that's that's where they were in their lives. They were like, I'm, I know for a fact there's times over the years where Fletcher was like, man, I don't have kids and, and we're in a successful band and people want to see us play and we owe it to the fans. We got to be out there on the road. We got to be playing. You're bringing me down. You're dragging me down, you know? And so it just finally got at that point for him. He was just like, dude, you know, if you got to go be with your family, we're going to go, we'll get someone else. And you know, we got the songs now, you know? And, yeah. And so, Still hard, hard pill to swallow. Though, yeah, for sure. hard pill to swallow. So, and it was kind of like, it, I sort of got right the, the, the guy is clairvoyant because like <laughs> a week later, I'm like, man, what if I got back in the band and, you know, we could heal all this stuff yeah. and, the, and the whole Pennywise family that we're, we're the Brohim band. We're supposed oh. to all be bros. <laughs> 100%. Bro, bros don't not speak to each other, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And literally he, he called me up on the phone and, and was like, hey, what's up? want to get want to talk <laughs> and i After was like a couple years wow yeah, yeah yeah and i was like okay i guess i'm doing this and it was that quick it's like boom back in went to brazil <laughs> a week shit. a week or two later how how were your daughters at the time i know you said they were young i'm sure that if you if you talked about it now like how, how did they how much they appreciated you like just i'm coming on my family like i'm not doing that anymore because it was hard for them to see you travel all the time they're probably so psyched to have their dad home yeah you know what i mean like I hope so. You know, that was, I'm uh, sure I'm just saying like, you, you know, know, it's probably, it's probably nice when I was gone and they could do whatever they want. But no, uh, no, I mean, it was good for me because yeah. I had a stretch at that really crucial amount of time to be there for the soccer games yeah. and be there for the, the choir recitals. My daughter was big into choir and I loved going to all that stuff and being a part of their lives at a very crucial time instead yeah. of being the absent guy. But, you know, also one thing I, is very important is that uh, we did we didn't tour as much as many bands all through our career yeah and because I had kids so they were very cool about doing three weeks in Europe yeah. instead of five and so they did kind of bend over backwards over those years to not tour as much For sure but there was just always a if we would just go three more days yeah you know yeah. and um, pushing it a little bit yeah yeah so th those but this is every band, you know, of course. I, I hear all the dysfunctional family. We love and hate, love and hate each other. We're brothers for life. Right. Right. You and signed up for that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
and I think that's one thing that's cool that we celebrate. This this song Brohim, which is so important to us, it is international uh, anthem. It's crazy, man. Yeah, and it's but it is celebrating friendship. Yeah, the good and the bad. Yeah, and the tragic things that can happen. And we're probably all going to more funerals now than we want to. But those, but being there for your friends and yeah, and and uh, that's it's such a healing song. You know, I, I talk to people all the time. You know that. That song is so important and to them. Huge impact on so many people. Yeah. Did you realize when you guys were writing it, when it came out, how big it was going to be? No, not at all. And we came because uh, Jason brought it in at the at the very end of recording. Wow! And he's like, "Oh, let's let's do this one." And I literally had so we had written all the songs and done the whole album, and I, and I didn't hear it until it was kind of one of those like, "Well, what about this one riff that Fletcher had?" And Jason wrote these lyrics to about damn about our friends that had died in uh, high school. And I'm like, oh, that's that's cool. I'll, I'll just go in there and sing it, just like you just showed it to me. So yeah. I just, just went in there and sang it, and then we're all, oh, let's get all our friends in here to sing the background part. And Fuck. it was like it happened that quickly, but then it just over and over over the years, it just got more and more important. And until now, it's a soccer chant at football games. And it's crazy, man. Yeah, it's nutty. It's such a impact, uh, powerful impact, a song. Um, so stepping back into the band after those couple, you just it was like riding a bike. You got back in, everything was normal, everything was oh, good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Did you guys have like a sit down first, like moving forward. Here's the new rules, or um, I I sat down with um, uh, went out and talked to Byron, had a yeah. night out together, um, and talked to Randy, and then kind of sat down and we went to La Panita and had a lunch. And you know, I didn't want to come off too strong of being like things are going to be different now yeah but one thing i did say i was like man this band is more important than the partying and and this stuff and like like you know this has got the band has got to come first yeah yeah this has got to come first over that stuff so like that was important and that you know is been something like to this day it's like man getting up there and playing the shows and putting yeah. up, playing good music for our fans is is priority number one and and uh um and then it was just like riding a bike was it know? feeling c- coming back did you feel like it felt yeah. great to be back and you know what we went it's, what was the first show you it's with? ironic is that i left because i didn't want to go to brazil and they had a <laughs> they had a tour of brazil's lined up oh and they were they, things weren't ideal with the singer they got you know, it wasn't just the broken back or the back problems that yeah, they, yeah. they were having issues. But it's not you. It's, it's yeah, not you. yeah. And um, I think you know, I talked to him a few times during the band, and he was hoping I would come back as much as they enjoyed. So it. You guys are friends, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they uh, did their thing, but uh, then it was like, oh well, we're going. Literally, Fletch like, well, we've got some shows in Brazil lined up. You want to go? And I'm like, cool. But I don't think we've ever played better than that tour of brazil because sure, like man. i was back and it was like we challenged ourselves and like started playing all these songs that we didn't usually play and reborn kind of i yeah. remember that first show back we were like there wasn't one beer on that stage there it was like Damn. man we're gonna slam right now and we're gonna play as hard and fast as we could and i think ever since then we we uh you know try to have that mindset you know? yeah you know but yeah, they're making the new record with them again and stuff, and all that stuff must have been great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah well. <laughs> same kind of old, same kind of studio shit, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, everyone has that. It's hard to, to write songs with a bunch of dudes and not want to beat each other's face in. 
<laughs> so what I love about learning about you today is that like, like your English major and all that, you always had not just a plan B, but you always had education and stuff you could fall back on. Like mm-hmm. there was, cause you were coming and going so much and you doing all this other stuff. I love that. Cause some people just have like, all I have is the band. I got nothing else. Like you could, you always had stuff you could fall back on. I think it's really smart. Yeah. And, and also, uh, I mean, but the truth is I, I don't want to overplay the education cards because there's, I mean, my dad did to me. He yeah. said, said, this is crucial because this yeah. is my experience that I got passed up for promotion over and over because I didn't have a college yeah. education. Whereas there's other people and the majority of my friends in my life don't have a college education. It yeah, isn't, either. it isn't the end all be all. You can get an education on the, on the streets of life. Some of the biggest, totally. the b- most successful businessmen out there don't have their education. It's up to the individual to do what's right for them. If it's yeah. something, and you can go to some school and get a crappy education, you know, so, a lot of people, they, they have their majors that they graduate with never even do what they but their major wasn't real life. Right, exactly. Yeah, it can, sometimes it can be a total waste of time. Yeah. For me personally, I found Emerson and Thoreau and it totally informed my songwriting. I think be- awesome. becoming, uh, there's some major things. It was being being a, a, an altar boy and a born again Christian and going through that segment, then uh, Emerson and Thoreau, and then also uh, Jason. Jason's, yeah. Jason, had that PMA mindset without going to school or reading Thoreau or, yeah. or any of that type of thing. I got it at, at school, but he got it just from being that kind of person. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And so that really informed all my songwriting is having those influences. Yeah. You know. um, one, one thing that you're going through now that I'm going to be going through soon, and it's interesting, my wife has to walk in during this part of the interview, <laughs> the conversations. That, Hi, Moon. Is that the... <laughs> is that the whole leaving the whole leaving the nest thing where you have grown daughters now, right? Who are leaving the nest, uh-huh. and I, th- and that 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 whole thing scares me because I'm so connected with my son. You have yeah. three daughters. Yeah, are two of them already gone out of the house now? Uh, my oldest took a job in Chicago, came home for three days after graduating, and Holy shit. literally, yeah, they don't tell you that they don't always come back, you know. And that that that's been a trip. And, yeah, I can't imagine. And she was like. I thought would be the least independent, but she went to school and was just like, didn't hear from her for a week. And then, you know, quick call. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's great. I'm having the best time of my life. Okay. Bye. Damn. You know? Whereas my middle girl, she's, she's at Oregon, but she's studying abroad and she calls three times a day and sends 90 pictures and, <laughs> you know, and, uh, is always, but, um, is that hard when they leave the nest? Is it hard? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you. If you want me to pretend it's not, no, I don't want you to be honest as fuck. <laughs> oh, I wa- I'm already an emotional oh, person, so I'm already dreading it. Like. I walk around the house right now and look at their empty bedrooms. I was, oh. I we're having friends over to stay the weekend, and so I had to clean out some of her closet stuff. And yeah, you gotta just go into full denial mode. Like, no, that doesn't hurt. That's oh, fine. That's rough. My heart's breaking, but it's fine. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a, that, that's a scary thing. That's the main thing I'm kind of I'm kind of dreading. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, but the I mean, and, it, you guys have a great relationship, and yeah, it's so cool that your your boy loves everything that you love. You know, and that's really important. And uh, you know, but everyone's different. You're gonna have uh, kids get into different things. You just you know, what's amazing is that because I think parents like us are so much more involved. Totally, it's like that we can have a really profound inf- 
influence on their lives and their yeah. choices. I mean, yeah. our thing is always make good choices. That's all we care. You know, yeah, yeah. Here, here's the uh, here's the bad choice. But just like know? how your dad was, you being very supportive of things you want to get into. We just you know make sure you have the education, but all this other stuff you're into too. I back it also. I feel like with my son too, like he wants to be. A, he's a drummer. He plays piano. He hates school, but he, he does good in the classes that he like actually pays attention, likes, just yeah. like I was. But I'm like, you have to have a plan A, B, and C, but also do it. I believe whatever you can do, just you know, focus on it, work hard for it. Yeah. And um, we just have to be supportive in that way, too, and keep that communication going. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's fucking, it's just scary. It's just, just thinking about, like, just them being out there in the world yeah. and shit and not really need, obviously, they don't need you, right? They're always going to need you, but not really need yeah. you to be there all the time and shit. You know what I mean? My, like, my wife said, uh, you know, because at a te- the teenage years, you start getting in more and more conflicts and 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 they start acting up and it's like oh this is what helps you let them go is when they act like assholes (laughs) you're like actually why don't you beat it yeah exactly but you know that's that's part of the thing like that's just like the little bird in the nest kicking the kicking the little bird out all right go give it a shot but you know lucky we have iphones and facetime now so yeah that really did help it's crazy how much touring stuff too you know is uh um i could get on the FaceTime and they would just prop me up on the counter during dinner and stuff. And I'd just be kicking back in the hotel room, you know, pretending I was oh, there. Wow, you were on tour. Yeah. Doing yeah. FaceTime. We did that too with Max when he was younger too. Yeah. Um, somebody said something too there that was really interesting about like how you don't own your children. Like yeah. you, you, you raise your children they go, you don't own them. They're, just, they're gone. Like it's, just, yeah. you don't have them forever. You know what I mean? In a sense, it's oh, just yesterday. Uh, they were fighting about who, who's going to get the new iPhone. If like, well, if she gets the iPhone, I can't, you know, then I have to get the new iPhone and all this stuff. And, and then bright, bright uh, my oldest finally said, I'm an adult. I can get whatever fucking phone I want to get. <laughs> you know? It's totally true. You know, it doesn't matter to you anymore of what phone I get. You know, I'm like, Oh man, you're right. Darn it. That's hard. Well, you were saying how we're so hands-on. I feel like that's part of the careers we chose as far as being musicians. Cause when you're home, you're home, you're in between tours. You're, you're just, you're there with, there with them. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. So un- unlike people to go to jobs every day, nine to five, and then come home at night or whatever, like you're, when you're home, you could be home for a couple weeks or months at a time. Yeah. You just, you're with your kids. I had, uh, awesome. I, I asked all of them at one time, I said, do you consider your dad someone who was gone all the time or who was around all the time? And they all said without missing a beat, you're around all the time. And that was really important. I was like, thank God you said that or else I would have really had a issue with myself yeah, <laughs> but but they know how much you've tried to balance it all and be there for them you know what i mean they know they see that they feel that you know what i mean like yeah so especially everything we just talked about like leaving the band coming back and all that just not missing their stuff and like i, I was saying earlier is that we have one kid i can't imagine having three kids and balancing all that touring life and yeah. being for your three daughters you know what i mean it would be easier be like, okay, yeah well, at least we have a 30 percent chance that one of them's gonna <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? I say that my youngest. I'm like, uh, don't work too hard in school because you're not going anywhere. You're going to take care of your mom and dad and just work from home at some point. But I remember, uh, you know, at certain times and then, you know, uh, them like having different issues and me being out on the road, it was like really important for me to like get on the phone or talk to them and just let them have it out yeah Yeah. vent or whatever it's 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 about being present whether you're physically present or not 100 it's like you're involved in their stuff i mean almost probably too much but um 
I think uh, it was Flea in the in the other F word movie who said that, and he teared up when he was saying it. He's like, because knowing his dads and the, the '70s dads were were kind of different of like, you know, going to work and kind of come home, have their cocktail, have their beer, have a game. cocktail, pat the kid, and then go. Kind of angry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and you saw him tear up because he's like, man, I'm gonna be present for my kids. Like that's the difference because probably not much as he loves his dad is such or, a different generation we are too you know yeah yeah he had so uh he was like prepping himself. yeah oh no he had uh um uh, the his daughter's interviewed in it. she was I, she was probably 20 years old by that time yeah kids early that's right he did yeah so, wow yeah it's a trip it is a trip what, what, what do you think you credit your longevity to with pennywise in your career because you guys mm. are a career band uh, um, I think it's the songs, you know, yeah. the, the songs, like I said, we were just playing some songs you haven't played in a long time. And they still have meaning. Yeah. And they're, a lot of them are really emotional. If you get down to it, they're about conflict. They're about, they're about God. They're about parents and yeah. you know, all that type of thing. Uh, and, uh, pe that resonates with people unless you're, if you're just writing a song that's shake your ass on the dance floor, <laughs> yeah. like, you know. It's, it's different. People feel those songs and they want to come. And, and that's why our album shows do so well. Um, because people are like, man, I've been waiting for you to play that one song. That's about that thing that, man, you I'm going to yeah. go up and I'm going to raise my fist when you sing that one line, because yeah. that one line makes it for me, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, so it's definitely just the songs, you know, if we didn't have those, uh, you know, it's just a bunch of dudes from Hermosa goofing <laughs> around on stage. Oh, yeah. it's, it's crazy you guys have been around this long since everything you guys been through, too, all the ups and downs. It's amazing. Yeah. It means it just, there, there is like a brotherhood there, regardless yeah. of all like the obstacles, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. It speaks volumes of the band and how much people love your band still and are still getting into your band, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a trip to see the kids at the shows, young people, yeah. you know, uh, people bringing their kids and stuff. And that's why we, uh, you know, we're, we're still doing it. I feel like a poser because I, I didn't realize too recently when the It movies came out that Pennywise was named after the clown. And that's true, right? That's, fa that's yeah. factual. Yeah, I know. It kind of sucks for us now. After ever, the book. I ever, mean, since yeah. the, ever since the movie came out, now when you Google search Pennywise, it's just pictures of an evil clown. There's no, no, no more pictures oh, of shit. Jim and Fletcher and Byron and Randy. It's all pictures of a scary clown. Wow. So, yeah, that's a legit where it came from. Yeah, yeah. So when you so the band who named that band, uh, our friend Steve Martin, and I. Had oh, he's a great actor. I love him. Yeah, he's <laughs> <laughs> funny dude. Not there's another Steve Martin too, but he's not Steve Trump, but it's not him. Okay. Yeah, it's a different Steve Martin. Um, yeah, this uh, just a local good guy surfer. Um, he had read the book It by Stephen King, and this character in the book is a evil clown that, uh, if you read the book, he um, he can shift uh, shape into any whatever scares you the most. And so uh, it makes kids confront their fears. Yeah. And so we all thought that was really cool when you consider so much of the hate in the world yeah. and the violence. Flipped it to a positive thing. It's about our fears and uh, confronting your fears. And, and that's deep, man. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So that's like, oh, I, I found the name for your band, Pennywise. I'm like, all right. I That's fucking I, ne I never even knew that man. So it's it's crazy, yeah. man. You like such a poser. If you haven't read it, the book is is better than all the films. Yes, yeah, my friend told me too. Skiba told me that actually. Yeah. 
It's scary. I, it's scary. Did, I didn't even know that when I did the Brett Gerwitz interview that I found out later that I'm so t- that the epitaph E was a fucking gravestone. <laughs> <laughs> My that. friend Fred did that too. Really? Yeah. Did that design? Yeah. Fred Hidalgo did our first album. He's like my good friend growing up, surfer and artist. He did our album, um, uh, all three or four of our albums. And then, uh, no, even more than that, four or five of our albums. He did Smash. He did Recipe for Hate. He was Epitaph's artist. Okay. So he designed that E. Damn. He designed the egg, Big Daddy Roth monster coming out of the car. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, I know that. that yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so he designed all their iconic logos. That's amazing. Um, right, here's my last couple of questions. Do you have any regrets? Yes. Uh, not calling Jason on the night that I wanted to call him. Mm. I decided to put it off a day, you know, wow. and I was like, I'm going to call Jason when I get to the hotel and have that in my mind when I got the news. Shit, yeah, that's heavy, man. That, that was a definitely a regret. Um, you know, uh, I think we toured just the right amount for the band and for the family, so that's that's not a regret. Yeah, but uh, you know, I wish I would have surfed a little more. <laughs> you feel like you're too old to surf now. <laughs> I still surf, but I, I should have paddled out. Always paddle back out. That's a that's a great book by uh, Sean Thompson. I'll you schooled me on so many books in this shit. I'm so. I'm, so I'm going to give you more too. I wish I was a better reader. There's audiobooks too, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Fuck yeah. Punk, <laughs> punk, punkguru.com. You um, can find what, all the best books. What would be some of your. Do you have any daily rituals? Um, daily rituals. You know, I always wanted to meditate more. I've always wanted to do yoga more, but it has never become a ritual either. for me. You know, (laughs) I do it when I really need it, when I'm really stiff or I really need uh, the brain time to uh, disconnect. But it's hard uh, to meditate, right? The daily ritual for me is probably getting the kids off to school and then uh, checking the surf. (laughs) Are you a coffee guy? I I like to. I'm a coffee guy. Make the coffee and uh, go and check the surf because I grew up seeing the ocean every day. So uh, we had a big view of the whole bay. My, my parents' house, and then uh, I don't have it now, so I got to drive down there and or ride a bike down there, or jog down there, or whatever. But I always need to see the ocean at one time a day. It's a big presence in my life. Yeah, you and know? you're pretty close to live. You live close to it. Yeah, uh, live about a mile and a half away now. Fuck, that's awesome, man. Yeah, so I always got to take a look. You yeah, know? <laughs> you know, make sure it's still there. <laughs> um, and also, you guys always had a East Coast edge to you. I know this is not one of the questions, but like. Like I was saying before, you guys, out of all the West Coast bands, you guys, for me, Pennywise has more of an East, it could be like an East Coast hardcore band in a sense. Mm-hmm. Is that, was there some big inspirations from the East Coast, too, besides? Definitely. We grew up with out here? A couple. Um, Dag Nasty. Was Greatest. Huge. We talked about that the other day, yeah. yeah. Um, if you listen to uh, Wig Out at Danko's and, and uh, um, just a lot of the Dave Smalley stuff. Can I say? Yeah, and... Um, uh, Jason made me a tape that had a bunch of Dagnasty on it, a bunch of uh, BYO stuff, Lizar just exercises, and it's Great like song. so many like melodic and uh, cool uh, songs that came out of that band. And yes. plus the PMA was there. Yes. So huge inspiration. Um, and then uh, Grill Biscuits, yeah. right? Right when we were uh, kind of putting it together. Um, that album came out and just the, the whole 
attitude of you know kind of a little more metallic guitar I'm, like i said i'm not a metal fan but yeah. just fletcher was uh into it and so they just kind of had a little more hardcore vibe and uh so uh but melody too yeah. yeah and then after all the great bands that came out of that but obviously yeah um it, there's a spirit there that that we had in the surf skate scene down in the south bay of oh, for lack of a better word bros you yeah, know community, bros, unity all girls, that you know and yeah. uh yeah, Unity was a huge thing. Unity Surfboards uh, was one of the biggest uh, um, surf shops down there. But uh, we definitely felt that, you know, because cool. people hung out at the beaches and, and uh, that sense of family. And uh, that's the first thing that turned me on to your band was that song, uh, uh, the family song. My friends got me family. Friend, yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, like that's our vibe too. And it's awesome. like and uh never had any competition with those bands it felt like as soon as we go back there we're gonna be bros with all those guys too and it's gonna <laughs> yeah. be rad you know it's true it happened too yeah exactly so um it's awesome yeah and I, I think that pma is something that's really important that uh in my life and uh keeping that going there's a, probably one of my favorite songs that i wrote the lyrics for every single day and it's about leaving regrets behind not worrying about the future 20, yeah. 24 hours in my life. And that's what it's all about. And it's such a, you, you see that in pop psychology, all over the memes everywhere talking about um, having no regrets and yeah, don't, don't live in the past. Da, da, da. And I wrote that line so long ago. It's like, man, all that matters is 20, this 24 that I'm in right now and trying to live that the best and having this diligence of, living your life that way and keeping that in mind so i love that that's one of my questions that you can see so about optimist or pessimist but you know the answer for that you know i'm an optimist <laughs> in that i believe that the, the opening line on on our first album is uh off the song wouldn't it be nice time or man man with a glare but with a smile like i have a vision of many things to come time or man man with a glare without a glare but with a smile and the idea that's like the perfect kicking off point for our band. Like I have a vision of a future where everyone does get along or tries their best to get along. Yeah. So I'm optimistic for that. Um, definitely. It's hard not to be pessimistic with the stuff that's going on in the Just world today. Yeah. Yeah. But that's then again, that's what gives us the passion to fight, you know, and to, to uh, put our music out there and our message out there. And that's what it's always been about. Yeah. Um, that's great. Um, top five inspirational Musicians or top five influences of your life, you think? Mm. Uh, it's you a know, hard one. I would always say family is always your top inspiration, but yeah. I would say uh, number one would be Ralph Waldo Emerson, and then number two would be Keith Morris. Sick. <laughs> That's. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, okay. That's two. Um, John Updike is my favorite writer. Um, uh, that's three. And then um, hmm, my dad. Fucking awesome. Uh, for sure. Um, your, dad, your dad sounded awesome, man. He sounded like an awesome man. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was great. And then... Um, Five. Uh, Milo Ackerman. Sick. <laughs> Yeah. Somebody, that's great that's, yeah and that's, greg gaffron 
Greg Affin. So six. we're gonna tie tie <laughs> tie for five. <laughs> he went to school with all those guys. It's fucking crazy, man. Yeah, we Sucker all went to the same school. You know, you guys got to come down to the South Bay, and I'll give you the tour that I gave to uh, Marco. To Hano, yeah, that'd be yeah. freaking awesome. Yeah, I would love that, man. Yeah, I've never been been down there before. Yeah, you guys got to come down. If you haven't been in the South Bay, you haven't been to L.A. yet, and you guys lived here since. Yeah, from from what. <laughs> but from what he said on this whole thing, it's like it's a whole different world that everybody talks about because it's always L.A., but there's yeah. so much history and where you're from. It's yeah, so many great bands and yeah. Beach Boys, all that. Yeah, it's a great scene and uh, got to have you guys down there and just hang and catch some surf. Yeah, my son's been surfing. I don't surf. I've never really tried it, but my it's son's definitely... Five in the morning to go surfing every weekend. See, he caught the bug. He did. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Cali kid. He was born here. Oh my god! If you can skate, you can surf. Yeah. If you can snowboard, and I don't. Skate. Think, I don't think that's the same thing. If you can skate, you can snowboard, though. Yeah, I know. I told you how to snowboard. It's way. Oh, different. Yeah, it's way different. It's tough and until. Like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It crouches. Like, Stand up. <laughs> Do you have any tattoos? I just. Uh, oh, you yeah. know, it's funny. Whoops, I it's almost okay. pulled you out. Um, I didn't have a lot. I, I got the kid, the girl's daughter's name. Oh, awesome, awesome. Got all the daughters. Yeah, I thought you had tattoos. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah. That. And then uh, I have X, Jawbreaker, The Ocean, Leo, PMA, little plus sign. Yeah. And then uh, this is uh, Taksameka, which is uh, Swedish. My dad was 100% Swede, and it means thank you so much. Holy shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so uh, my grandma used to say, Taksameka. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Talk. Yeah. Oh, he's going to be so happy you that was Swedish. Yeah. I might bite that. I like that plus sign for PMA. That's pretty freaking awesome. I didn't even yeah. thought about that. I know. Everyone's all, is that a sperm? Well, no, that's a, that's a Leo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think we got, well, let me thank you. Well, first, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for everything you contributed to music. Thanks for always looking out for H2O. Thanks for being a great dad. Thanks for being inspirational for everything you've done and continue to do. And I appreciate being part of my life and honored to call you my friend. Right back at you, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much here. for having me. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, keep doing it. I this think we covered cool. a lot of shit. Yeah, I know, right? I think it's been almost, what time we start? 11? Almost two hours. I told you, I got a lot. I got a lot of I baggage. Love it. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you want that? Yeah, we might need to do a part two someday, but I know where you live, so we'll get Well, I'll, I'll interview you in the South Bay. That'd be sick. <laughs> All right, thank you, bro. Thank you. That was awesome. So we're back real quick. I'm not letting Jim leave because he just saw my wife's uh, Cure shirt. And he talked about how much he loved the Cure, so... Um, I, I want to get into this real quick, just a little bit of your new wave roots. Cause we didn't talk about that. Uh huh. So you loved all that type of music growing up too? Oh, absolutely. I was a huge fan of, uh, uh, I guess it started with, uh, just the whole MTV thing and all these bands just coming into your television Yeah. and it was impossible not to, you know, uh, there was, uh, men at work was one of the first big bands that started, but then, uh, you know, uh, the cure came out and they, they had a different vibe from everything that you were hearing. Plus yeah. they, they look so strange. And then I got really into the Smiths. Um, we, there was all these punk clubs that actually played a lot of new wave stuff. Yeah. There was a band called, uh, God, who's up? Oh, a band called ABC. Yeah. Um, uh, haircut 100, and Duran Duran and all these bands and like we would go to these there were discos but like punk clubs and uh there's a place called the Odyssey a place called Power Tool uh, guys from Chili Pepper would go to that place that's awesome um uh 
and all these people would go there and even though they were into the punk scene you know they'd come and they'd you know uh, soft sell and all soft these bands are playing Tainted love yeah that's when tainted love was huge and uh i i got into everything i i wasn't a hater you know yeah. there's definitely there's open-minded the kids. hardcore scene where like you could only like adolescence never like that black flag and all the above and it's like man i would as much as i would go to see uh x and and uh circle jerks i would go and see you know go to some disco and dance around like a fool to some new wave <laughs> band but I also, I wanted to meet girls. I wanted to hang out with chicks, man. You go to a circle jerk show and just get beat up by dudes. You know, I wanted to go. I wanted to go dance with girls and have a good time. You know, so yeah, you just living like you liked all types of music. I like that you open minded about and, it. And then uh, really got into the Smiths. Huge Smiths fan. Yeah, well, and, yeah. And then I, I in college, I saw the Cure play at San Diego State, and I wrote a review for the school newspaper. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Give it a great review. Obviously. Got a great review. Holy shit. So, yeah, I'm a... Uh, I Still think, love them, man. Yeah. I think someone outed me to Fletcher one time and said, Jim's a new waiver. He's not punk. He's a new waiver. Wow. Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll, I'll embrace it. That's that, that's amazing. And that, that's a, you know what's so crazy is that, like, on the podcast, Milo, who grew up where you grew up, said he was a new waiver first before he was a punker, too. Yeah. He was a new wave guy. I'm a new waver girl for sort of... But he was actually was a new wave kid. Yeah. Pretty amazing. And he was a cross-country dude. Cross-country guy, He was right? a runner, yeah. Wow. Did you know that, um, real quick, that HR was an um, Olympic pole holder? No. And a swimmer, yeah. He, he grew up in Liverpool. Wow, and that's, that's what crazy. he did. That's how he could do backflips and stuff. He told me that. That You know, that's what's really cool about these podcasts and things you're doing. It's like you have the time to get all the stuff out of people. Like, <laughs> I guarantee a, a tiny percentage of my people who enjoy our music know that I was ever a born-again Christian. Or, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. Or like... You can imagine. I did not know that. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, awesome. Thank you, man. I got you here long enough. I appreciate you coming up today. And uh, Thanks, Toby. Look out for part two. He interviews me in Hermosa Beach. That's right. Bye. Thanks. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So, thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.